Pints with Jack, Season 4, Episode 4. After Hours with William O'Flaherty. Welcome, everyone. Pints with Jack is your weekly C.S. Lewis podcast, where Matt, Andrew, and I break down and discuss the works of C.S. Lewis. This season, we're eavesdropping on the correspondence of a senior demon, Screwtape, as he explains how to tempt the patient, a human assigned to his nephew, a demon named Wormwood. Each week, we'll be considering a different letter, untwisting Screwtape's hellish logic, and forming a battle plan for our own spiritual lives. However, today is Thursday, and it is therefore an after-hours episode where I interview a guest. And today's guest is someone I've wanted to bring onto the show pretty much ever since we started this podcast. And now that we've begun the Screwtape Letters, it seemed like the perfect time to interview William O'Flaherty. Because William, he is the host of EssentialCSLewis.com. He has his own podcast, All About Jack. And he is also the author of both the misquotable C.S. Lewis, and for particular relevance for this season, he is also author of C.S. Lewis Goes to Hell, which is his analysis of the Screwtape Letters. William O'Flaherty, welcome to Pints with Jack. Well, thanks for having me. Like I said, I've wanted to get you on the show for ages, and so when we decided that we're going with Screwtape, I decided now is definitely the time. Uh, Because I followed your work for a long time, I think your podcast, All About Jack, was really my main introduction to uh, the C.S. Lewis community, the C.S. Lewis scholars, and it also gave me an idea of the other works of Lewis that I hadn't yet read. Uh, And so it was wonderful when our paths got to cross in Montreat, North Carolina, at the end of last year, when Matt and I met you at the symposium. Now, before we get to talking about Screwtape, uh, I do want to make mention of the other book that you've written, which is The Misquotable C.S. Lewis. Because you spend a lot of your time uh, pointing out that some quotations that people attribute to Lewis aren't actually from him. Uh, Can you tell us a little bit more about that book and the genesis of that project? Well, sure, yeah. Uh, As you noted, uh, you know, on social media, there are various quotes attributed to Lewis. And years ago, I was, um, you know, just taking people by faith, you might say, and like, okay, well, that's great. Yeah, I don't know if I had read that, or most of the time, quotes are not attributed as to where it might be located, and so, oh, well, that's something without, yeah, I, I like that. That's that's very good saying, or, hmm, that's interesting. I, I'm not sure that's Lewis's style. So anyway, you know, I was running across that, and then uh, with the internet being able to search and eventually collecting different ebook versions, uh, I have virtually everything, especially. I do have every Christian-based uh, type writing by Lewis, so I was able to track down and figure out, and so I started to write a series of articles about it, and then that uh, grew until the, my book came out in 2018. And it's always my go-to whenever I see a quotation on the internet and my spidey sense starts tingling. It's like, mm, I'm not sure I have the electronic copy of your book, and that's usually the first thing I go to and search, because <laughs> there's usually an entry that says, yes, this isn't Lewis. <laughs> yeah, and, and what's interesting, though, of course, is that sometimes the, um, uh, you know, this is not the focus of the interview today, but I did find that there were uh, three main types that I categorize as things that were uh, definitely not Lewis, things that were almost Lewis, and then that things that were not quite Lewis. And the things that are almost are things that are paraphrased 
that uh, could be pretty close to, to to what he had to say. But uh, but anyway, but yeah, it's uh, really easy to kind of maybe uh, fall into the trap of uh, thinking something is by Lewis when it's not. And that's one of the reasons why on the Instagram feed for Pints with Jack, I post a lot of authentic quotations in a almost futile attempt to try and drown out all of the incorrect ones. Uh, but on Pints with Jack, we always have a quote of the week and a drink of the week. And I thought since we're having you on, I had to do incorrect quotes of the week. So these are the, I think, top four quotations that I generally see on Twitter that are not, in fact, Lewis. Getting over a painful experience is much like crossing monkey bars. Let go to move forward. Humility is not thinking less of yourself, it's thinking of yourself less. Integrity is doing the right thing, even when no one is watching. And lastly, experience that most brutal of teachers. But you learn, my God, do you learn? Oh, and one more. There are far, far better things ahead than any we leave behind. So all of those are not Lewis, except the last one. But it is very misleading. Uh, would you mind telling the listeners why that last one is misleading? Right. Well, there's a couple elements to it. One is is that it does add two extra words. The original does not have far, far. And then the context is also a concern. That's uh, where I get into or I categorize the not quite Lewis. And that is um, some quotes by itself without knowing the context could mean a variety of things. And so this one actually was to comfort an individual that was afraid of dying. And so Lewis was trying to tell the person that you, know, you don't need to be afraid of it. I actually saw this somewhere on somebody's state suicide prevention hotline. And if oh. someone goes to read the context, you know, they might. but anyway, but that's, that's, you know, uh, kind of a uh, ironic here, but, uh, but anyway, that's the, that, that's a brief summary of, uh, that particular quote. And that's why when I wanted to produce a graphic for that quotation, I made sure I had lots of gravestones and stuff in the background <laughs> to make people very sure to understand that the better things ahead are in heaven and the things that we leave behind are here on earth. And it's not just simply, uh, sort of sunny, shiny optimism that everything's going to be okay, in the here and now at least. <laughs> so for the drink of the week, it's early in the morning, so I am drinking some chrysanthemum tea. Uh, do you have any beverage with you? I do. I have uh, not too serious of a health issues, but anyway, I have a salted caramel protein shake. Very nice. I think you're actually the first person that's had a protein shake on the show. So bravo for that. Now, normally at this point, we would toast a gold-level Patreon supporter. But since I have you on the show, William, I just wanted to take this opportunity to toast you. Because you have done so much for the C.S. Lewis community, uh, introduced so many people to C.S. Lewis, and those who have read him before, you've helped us go more deeply into his works and discover a whole world of scholarship and community that's out there. So, for all of that, cheers. Cheers. So I gave a little bit of an introduction of some of the things that you've done, but when was it that you were first introduced to C.S. Lewis? Well, I actually didn't read anything by Lewis until my junior year of high school. That's when, in an English class, I was given a list of books and had to pick one to read. Well, because I wasn't a strong reader, I picked The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, as it was the shortest book on the list. <laughs> That's rather appropriate, because in the preface 
the preface from the 60s in Screwtape, uh, one of the assistant nurses reads Screwtape for exactly the same reason. It was the shortest book on the list. (laughs) (laughs) So you started there, but when did it start getting serious? When did it start getting to the point when people noticed that, oh, that William chap, he's the sort of the C.S. Lewis guy, always reading, always talking about it? Well, you know, in in some ways, uh, it it got serious in terms of my interest initially after reading The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe because I did enjoy it so much. And uh, what's uh, interesting, though, is also I honestly don't think I knew at the time or or I didn't pay attention to it because, you know, all the book covers do say that there are other in in the series, but I don't think I was fully aware of that. And so I was at a local Christian bookstore and struck up a conversation with, um, one of the um, employees and asked, you know, is there anything else by Lewis that I might enjoy? And I ended up getting the screw tape letters next. Um, partly, uh, it was influenced by the shortness of it. And then I went on to read Mere Christianity. And uh, I read more Lewis, including the rest of Narnia, within about the first five years after reading The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. And among other books, um, was a wonderful collection that was new at the time. You know, I'm up there in years. I'm in my mid-50s here. Back in 1984, it had just come out, a collection edited by Walter Hooper, The Business of Heaven. And so that really mm-hmm. exposed me to a wide variety of uh, Lewis's uh, writings uh, from the nonfiction uh, is the uh, uh, angle from that. And then I really only read him occasionally until almost about 15 years ago when I was going through a midlife crisis. And it was then that I began to uh, really study Lewis more closely. And was it around that time that you started the website, Essential C.S. Lewis? It was uh, about almost four years after that because um, before EssentialCSLewis.com started, I uh, was, you know, I said, you know, studying him more, enjoying him. And I, I wanted to organize or collect for myself, you know, more about Lewis's life story to help me remember it. And so before that website, I had a blog that was just focused on facts about him. And I did it in the form of a quiz. And not, not long after that, I actually had a short podcast called the C.S. Lewis Minute. And it was literally, or actually 60 seconds. And then uh, each had their own location. But before long, I basically combined them and added a daily quote and a unique fact alongside the quiz. And so that's how Essential C.S. Lewis um, started out. The um, interviews for the, the podcast, you know, what I'm known for in terms of the podcast, all about Jack. Uh, uh, did not start until uh, later. And so then let's talk about the podcast itself. So you have Essential C.S. Lewis, the website, running for a while. You've got some facts. You've got the minute with C.S. Lewis. What motivates you to start another podcast and lean into this one more heavily? Well, you know, one day I was thinking, what could I do to make a million dollars and retire early? <laughs> and so and so I said, well, that one won't accomplish that, but it'll be something that I at least enjoy. Uh, but yeah, no, more seriously, All About Jack came about somewhat um, spontaneously, even though I do have experience professionally as a radio announcer. That's not my main job now, but I, I did do that for several years. But uh, as I was going to hear someone speak about Lewis on a Saturday, uh, which ha- the, the, this was a short event that was just that day, uh, and it was about a four-hour drive. I already had a pocket recorder with me, uh, and I had uh, uh, gotten permission to make my own private archive of the two types that were scheduled. So as I was driving, I wondered if maybe I could interview the person. I didn't think about it until I was on the road. And this person had recently uh, released a book on Lewis. They had written some before. And so I asked him if he would uh, you know, answer some questions about it and you know, 
so that became the first uh, podcast. And then, I, you know, I gradually that led to, uh, you know, I asked another guest, uh, do the things by phone, you know, and the focus was on people who had written a book about Lewis. Typically, it was something that was just coming out, but it may also have been something that was out uh, prior. Uh, you know, this was like around two, uh, 2010, 2011. So I uh, took whatever their last book was or if it was something that was just coming out. And then uh, uh, a few years after that, I began a series of shows that I occasionally did, focusing on a single essay by Lewis, calling it an essay chat episode. Well, there are about uh, 20 of these. Uh, it's been a while since I've done any new episodes in that series. Then I started, uh, but only produced a few shows in another series that I called Why Read Lewis. That takes a look at a single book by him, but with a twist. I have three to five respected Lewis experts that give about a five-minute pitch about why they like the book and why others should read it. And then finally, you know, I've done other specially uh, or I've done other special self-contained series, and the titles are fairly, fairly obvious when you run across them on my podcast feed. So I won't necessarily talk about them except for mention uh, one of them, and that is related to what we're talking about. And I did a short series called 200 Seconds in Hell with C.S. Lewis to uh, help tie into the book when it came out in uh, 2016. And as I said earlier, your podcast was really my major introduction to the C.S. Lewis community. And it gave me a much broader exposure to C.S. Lewis's works. Because at about the time that we started this, I had read probably five of Lewis's non-Narnian books. I knew Narnia pretty well backwards having grown up on it but that was pretty much the limit of what I had delved into I knew that there was more but I hadn't really had any exposure and I didn't really know where to begin so one of the really nice things about your podcast is that you have these essay chats to introduce you to an essay that Lois wrote um, and these book episodes where you have these scholars explaining why your time would be well spent uh, engaging in these books and also because there is something of a cycle in your in your episodes, it means that when I come back to an episode that I had listened to before, maybe this time I've now read the work in question, or maybe just know a little bit more about Lewis, and so I can put more of it into context. Yeah, I do. Uh, uh, I do repeat some of my shows because I used to try to do one every week, and then since I've done this for now uh, close to ten years, there's a pretty good backlog. And then depending on the podcast feed someone has, they may never ever get be exposed to the earlier ones. And so I uh, put them back into the feed um, maybe a couple times a week uh, and uh, so on. And then still do some new episodes. But uh, as you can see, my, my interests uh, sometimes jump around and, uh, and then I kind of get sidetracked or whatever, as well as uh, writing uh, the uh, uh, books uh, on Lewis as well. I do find it kind of amusing as to the genesis of the podcast, that it was a recorder, that there was a speaker, and you just wanted to interview them. Because I often, when people ask me, why did you start a podcast? Part of the reason is because otherwise it would, you know, just be kind of weird because I would just go up to scholars and people who have written books that I really like. And it's like, hey, I would like to talk to you for an hour and record it and then share it with my friends. Is that okay? Whereas the, the more acceptable shorthand for that is, I have a podcast. Would you like to be on it? Yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> now, in addition to the podcast, you also have a YouTube channel, and there's been noticeable more activity on there recently. So what happens there? Sure. Yeah. Well, in um, earlier this year, this is uh, 2020 when we're recording, I was considering doing another specialized series of podcasts based on an idea I had for another book that I hope to get published. 
Um, and it was influenced by this. This idea was uh, influenced by a book that I came across for adults that had about a devotional length, 200 word summary of events in the Bible. Uh, it wasn't a, a devotional, but uh, a person could, uh, you know, be inclined to either read one or a handful. You know, it's it was a nice, simple, pseudo type reference thing. And and I thought uh, if I could uh, take the significant events in the in the life or writings of C.S. Lewis and arrange them chronologically and give them a similar 200 word treatment to where you know there would be kind of index in the back so people would kind of see if they wanted to know a certain track about Narnia and whatnot but anyway so uh, well as I was considering this to help you know motivate doing the writing and whatnot at the last minute I decided well you know okay if it's going to be 200 words that's roughly about 90 seconds spoken and I decided, well, let me make it visual. And so I decided to do a YouTube channel. And so I have that, and it's called uh, 90 Seconds to Knowing C.S. Lewis. Um, however, while most shows are that type of material, I found myself doing some special episodes uh, as well as extended episodes uh, regarding that. Uh, one extended episode happens to be a video of the interview I did with Douglas Gresham back at the end of 2019 uh, when we both met each other at the um, Presbyterian Heritage Center in Montreat, North Carolina. And so um, there's a variety of things there. Uh, right now, because of the uh, pandemic, and there's a, some several fake screw tape letters out there, that's been a, a popular uh, video that I have uh, on there. Mm-hmm. And naturally, there'll be links to all of these things in the show notes for listeners to check out afterwards. Uh, but as we wrap up this section, what would you say has been your favorite thing in doing this sort of work in terms of popularizing Lewis's work, giving people introductions to each to the books, to the essays, and to the man himself? Well, the way I'd answer that would be that, you know, I enjoy reading Lewis because he helps me grow in my Christian faith. While I've always attended and or been a member of a local church where I live and have gone to and led Bible studies, uh, I enjoy how Lewis has helped me to understand and apply my faith. And so I want to help others uh, in, in the same uh, way. Wonderful. And also, it doesn't hurt that you get to meet some wonderful people along the way. <laughs> right. And then I usually am able to get, uh, you know, a, a free book <laughs> because of the <laughs> interview, I'll be honest. Well, there you go. This is how you're going to make your millions, selling them on eBay afterwards. <laughs> oh, well, I was thinking in terms of like not having spent the money. On... <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll save millions, maybe. <laughs> there you go. There you go. I think I think that'll be an, an easier sell. <laughs> So let's talk about the main reason that you're here today, which is your book, C.S. Lewis Goes to Hell. Where did this book come from? Why did you decide that uh, you needed to write a book about Screwtape rather than one of the many other books that Lewis wrote? Sure. Well, as noted already, uh, Screwtape was the second book I read by Lewis, and I immediately fell in love with it, so much that I gave away the first two copies that I bought. And my third copy I kept, I still have it today, and it was just like the first two, and it was an edition that actually had a brief study guide in the back, so you can say that a a seed was planted. I probably read it about a dozen times before an opportunity came, came up to fill in and teach a Sunday school class, and that was around the year 2000. I chose Screwtape, and during that time I developed what became the foundation for my book that came out back in 2016. But now, uh, so in, in 2000, and uh, it's, you know, was true at the time I started to consider writing the book, there were very few study guides out there on screw tape, And while I enjoyed them, they didn't quite fit what I wanted to do in helping others enjoy the book in doing a Sunday school class. And so I began to develop my own questions. 
And then the uh, seeds were planted for some other things that uh, resulted in what I actually put in the book. Because uh, C.S. Lewis Goes to Hell has, in addition to study questions to help a person or, you know, a group uh, to get the most out of each letter, it has suggested answers for the questions that are not generally, um, or the answers that I have, or for those questions that are not personal reflection or personal opinion type questions. Uh, then, uh, you know, I had already uh, thought about uh, a um, certain component that uh, we ended up calling a topical glossary. And so I often refer to, although it's not on the cover of it, but I call this an enhanced study guide because it's not just study questions. And the, the format also is, is flexible to where a uh, individual could do all of the questions or if, a, if there's a small group and they don't have time to do each one each week, they can um, pick um, certain ones, and I have it arranged in the book, so it's obvious as to how you could uh, do that. But so this uh, topical uh, glossary, though, which is kind of a mainstay, there's some other components to the books as well, uh, but this is kind of a mini encyclopedia that indexes and summarizes the topics or themes uh, in the book. So you've got all of those questions, and you've got this massive glossary that goes through the the terms and uh and ideas present in Screwtape. how are you expecting people to use this book if they're if if they're say studying by themselves or or in a group uh in terms of the the glossary is there a particular way to work through it or do you just imagine people reading through the letters and then looking up words as and when right yeah well yeah yeah the book can be used in a in a variety of ways, uh, the, the most straightforward way would be, and I do have suggested, like if people are doing a 13-week thir study, I have a suggestion in terms of how to, uh, you know, uh, do that since it's 31 letters and that doesn't evenly divide. And I actually do cover the uh, essay, Screwtape Proposes a Toast, which we haven't mentioned. But, uh, but yeah, in terms of, uh, you know, for most people, they might just do the questions and then They'll notice also that I have a summary for each letter, but I do have that in a separate section. So people who want to, you know, digest the letter more on their own and then later come back and have a quick at a glance summary. But then as they're reading along and they read in a letter and they go, wait a minute, let's see, prayer. He mentioned that another time. That's where this um, glossary will uh, become in invaluable because I do a summary of, you know, what is talked about. Uh, in this topical glossary and then you you also have the letter at the end of the summary and then the uh, paragraph like um, uh, as I'm looking here uh, if you were on page uh, 77 in my book where I talk about undulation or the law of I do a summary of that and then at the uh, as you're reading that you'll see in parentheses like it's the eighth letter second paragraph and then at the end I summarize that that is talked about in the first paragraph of letter eight as well as the second and then in the ninth letter uh, in the second paragraph and in the third but then for some other ones um, it's uh, quite um, uh, th throughout different letters like prayer I mentioned uh, letter three letter four letter eight twelve fifteen and then several others <laughs> And I would say that cross-referencing was is, is the chief value that I've had out of it, particularly in preparing for this season, because we've had different guest co-hosts uh, scheduled, people saying, oh, I want to do that letter where he talks about, say, the law of undulation. And having your book made it very easy to find out where that was. Uh, we also have got Dr. Jason Lepoyavi scheduled, and 
he is known as Dr. Love, and he spent a lot of time on the theology of love. So I knew immediately, well, we've got to get him on those episodes. So having your book was a very easy way of finding out which letters we needed to get him to discuss. I'm glad it was helpful that way. Now, one thing that I, a bone that I would like to pick, because in preparing for season four, I found out that in 1947, Lewis refused permission for a scholar to create an index for the Screwtape Letters. Uh, He said that part of the success of that book depends on luring the ordinary reader into a serious self-knowledge under the pretense of being a kind of joke. Of course, this wouldn't deter readers like you, but it is the worldly reader that I specifically want to catch. So he didn't think that you should have a topical glossary because he wanted people to be uh, tricked in, as they're reading this book, much in the same way in the Chronicles of Narnia to sneak past the watchful dragons. But this is something that you have produced. So I'm going to put you up against Lewis. Why is this needed? Ah, yes. And before we started recording, I um, had forgotten that. I I did address this in the beginning of my book, but then it didn't make the final cut because we wanted to have a shorter introduction. And while I didn't go back to my original um, thoughts on it, I actually um, think this was something that I didn't consider. But anyway, um, you know, this letter you're you're saying is, you know, as you noted, is from 1947, but you also referenced that there was a 1960, or that's when he wrote the second preface, but the, the uh, new edition of the Screwtape Letters came out in 61 that included Screwtape Proposes a Toast. And in that, Lewis you know, did the second preface, and he talks about the book and about its approach more openly than in the original preface. If you take the time, you can see in the original, it is, you know, I, I think it, it could fit on one page, but I think because of the, mm-hmm. the layout, it's only just two pages. And it's, and so, um, you know, uh, so, but then uh, let me also put on the board, I mentioned that the early copy that I had, or the first copy I had from the early 80s, had a study guide in it, which is kind of the same vein in terms of giving, not giving away the, the punchline, so to speak. And so, uh, you know, this was Walter Hooper, actually, who was friends with Lewis before he died and also was instrumental in editing uh, material by Lewis that uh, was published after his death. And so this short guide was written by him along with uh, Lewis's friend, uh, Owen Barfield. And so, you know, it's okay, well, you know, I have these guys that went against Lewis's advice. But <laughs> if you think about it, I'm saying all that to say that once you've read Screwtape and enjoyed it on its own, then my book's for you. So um, it's, uh, you know, so... Someone reading it for the first time, it would be ideal to just read it without a, a study guide because there will get the, the most out of it. But it's kind of like the debate, which we won't open the whole can of worms here, for <laughs> Narnia. You know, what order do you read it in? Well, uh, you know, for us, it's obvious you read it first in the publication order. However, after you've read it the first time in the right order, for those books, it doesn't matter what order you read it after that. So once you've read the screw tape letters and then you um, enjoyed it for, for its own, something like my book is, is for you to enjoy it even more because of the uh, insight that's uh, there. I like that. So you would suggest that if somebody's got a copy of your book and a copy of the screw tape letters, that they should read Lewis first, then you. Right, yeah. yeah, yeah. While it can be done simultaneously, uh, the first time through, just read it and, and enjoying it. Uh, it's kind of like when you do go to a, uh, it, it, it's in a different way similar, but when you see a, uh, n- not just the uh, Narnia stories that haven't made in the movies, but when you go to a movie that's based on a book you've read, 
try to enjoy the movie for the movie, the uh, movie adaptation that it is. And then you can go in and pick apart how it's the same or different. It's, it's challenging. So, uh, but, uh, but anyway, those are my, my thoughts about that. Uh, I also now want to talk a little bit about some of the appendices because you've got quite a few. Um, and in particular, uh, you talk about what you see as the main thing that Screwtape is trying to do throughout all of the letters. So would you mind speaking a little bit about what people can find in the various appendices and what is this main thing that Screwtape is trying to do? Sure, yeah, there's actually seven, which we won't go into all of them, but the, the fourth one is what you're referencing. And so... Um, uh, I uh, did uh, speak on this, and uh, which was based on this uh, concept that I found or a, a theme that, that I noticed running through, and that is in all but seven letters, Screwtape mentions directly or indirectly a secret weapon, as I would call it, or the devil's best method to mess with us humans. The, uh, he spells it out in the fourth paragraph of letter, I'm sorry, in the second paragraph of the fourth letter, and this is what he says. It's funny how mortals always picture us as putting things into their minds. In reality, our best work is done by keeping things out. And so when I came across that, when I was, you know, reading through, studying, trying to formulate questions, I thought, wait a minute. Um, he has saying this in quite a few other letters. Like I said, all but seven letters either mentions this method directly or indirectly. But of course, this goes against the conventional wisdom that the devils uh, tend to whisper in our ears to tempt us. Screwtape reveals that keeping certain things out of our minds is his greatest accomplishment. Now, you know, if you want to be picky, you could say one of the ways to keeping things out is by putting something else in. Uh, but uh, who, you know, who hasn't thought of after the fact that they wish they remembered something uh, that would have helped them spiritually? You know, it's like, oh, I, I forgot about this because you were maybe so distracted by something else. So, so keeping things out, and I do list all the places in, in the letter in, in that uh, appendix, and so I hope people will um, in, uh, enjoy that. And as you say, it rather cuts against that idea of the devil whispering in our ear, which is also kind of amusing because Screwtape managed to get C.S. Lewis on the cover of Time magazine, and there you have a little devil on his shoulder whispering in his ear. Exactly right. And, you know, that fact that he was on the cover of Time magazine, many people don't realize that that was three years before the first Narnia book was published. So uh, I've, I've often said, can you imagine being more famous now for something else, but yet being on the cover of Time magazine um, <laughs> for, you know, for something else? So since this season, we're going to be going through the Screwtape letters. Uh, aside from looking out at for the occasions when Screwtape is trying to keep something out of the, the patient's head. Uh, do you have any other advice for us and for the listeners as we go through this book chapter by chapter? Sure. Well, I've, I made uh, uh, some reference to it here, and that is that uh, if, if this is the first, you know, or, or rather it's really a listener's first time or if they've read it many times, just read it as I believe Lewis intended it, and that is, that to imagine these are really letters from a demon offering advice to a new tempter on how to mess with the patient they are discussing. That way you can initially grasp in, in disbelief how silly or even stupid this patient and other people mentioned in the letters are. Then allow yourself to take a step back and notice how at least in, in some of the letters or in some of the things they talk about, it can really relate to you and your own life. 
It's rather like in the Gospels when you read about the apostles, when Jesus says something and the text says, but they did not understand or they did not recognize him. It's like, oh, how stupid you have to be. <laughs> and then after a little bit of reflection, you realize, actually, you know what? I'm not that smart either. Oh, yes. <laughs> so as we begin to wrap up, uh, can you please tell people where they can find out more about you and your work, your podcast and purchase your books? Certainly. Well, you know, the website we've mentioned, uh, EssentialCSLewis.com. And from there, you can get to the podcast, which is called uh, All About Jack. And uh, it has its own uh, stand standalone location, but you can just more easily get to that. When you go to EssentialCSLewis.com, I have uh, up in the front uh, four main areas. And one of the areas does feature the the podcast as well as um, some, some other uh, things that are, you, you can quickly access and then some ways to navigate. I do. I am also on Twitter, and uh, we'll have a link in the show notes for that. Uh, Facebook. I actually have a few things besides a Essential C.S. Lewis companion uh, to the, for the website, a, a page devoted to that. I've also done a, a few other pages. The uh, main one is, would be one dedicated to the misquotable Lewis, called "Confirming C.S. Lewis Quotations." Then, of course, there's the YouTube channel, 90 Seconds to Knowing C.S. Lewis. In terms of just uh, getting the book, um, you know, it would be nice if, you know, if, if every book that a person wanted to get was at their local bookstore, but that's not always the case. But any online retailer like, say, Amazon or Barnes & Noble, other places like that is a great place to get either of my books. And I have a couple of signed copies left that I'm going to be occasionally giving away over the course of this season. So, listeners, keep your ears open for that. Well, William, thank you so much for coming on the show, talking about all of the stuff that you've done and for your books that you've produced that have made my planning this season significantly easier. And listeners, please find us on social media. Did you know we had a Twitter account? I'm on there most days. I'm sharing lots of links about Lewis and occasionally ranting about whatever is in my head at the time. We also have merchandise, which is available. You can find all of that on pintswithjack.com. Just click on the shop link and you'll find links to the T-shirts, the glasses, and uh, there'll be more stuff coming out on that fairly soon. And please join us again next week when we will be going further up and further in. Cheers. Cheers. <laughs>